Hey everyone, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. This is Shelby, your host, and today I'm joined by Joanna Lee from over in the UK. She hosts a podcast called Behind the Lashes that I was recently on, where she's essentially creating a time capsule in audio form, and she follows the same Lash Bosses throughout different moments in their lash journeys, and I thought that was really interesting. She's also an educator, and she'll be speaking at the upcoming Lash Boss conference that I'm hosting which will again be virtual and this time it's in April, it's on April 24th. Ticket sales just launched today actually and you can get them at a discounted price right now since they will increase closer to the conference. Um, so check it out, it's about five weeks away. As for today's episode, Joanna and I talk about how the beauty industry in the UK is handling only having been open for a couple of months out of the last year. We talk about lash competitions and also one of her new classes that I'm actually going to be taking after having talked to her. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and without further ado, here is Joanna. All right, Joanna, welcome to Lash Boss Radio. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honor. Of course. I'm so I'm so glad you're here. I want to just start with um, why did you choose the lash industry? I know your background was like in television. So just walk me through like those beginning years. Well, I mean, like most things in my life, I kind of stumbled across it. It kind of it kind of fell across my path. The basic story is I had a set of lashes for a holiday. I had um I had a a toddler and a baby and my mum very kindly said we need a holiday and she had gave me I had some eyelash extensions um, for the holiday and I was like well this is ridiculous these are so incredible because you know when you just had a baby you don't really feel totally tip top you're not really ready for the camera and all of that and I had these lashes and actually I looked at the photographs and I was like well you look pretty okay. And I was like, my God, this is literally life-changing. It sounds really stupid. At the end of the day, it's just eyelashes. But I lay on my sun lounger and I was like, hmm, this is really good. And I had never heard of them at that point. And I was like, I wonder if I could spread this lash love. I'm going to go home and I'm going to do a course and see what happens and maybe start it as a a hobby. And and that's what I did. I have to say... it was really hard. When I did the course, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to master this. Um, but I, I, I carried on and gradually my client base grew and grew and my hobby became my, my full-time job. And I was able to step away from television. So were you feeling like your career in television, were you looking to get out of it? How were you enjoying it at the time? I mean, I always loved it, but it was stressful. It was better before I had the babies though, because I was usually on the breakfast show or the evening show and neither of those particularly married terribly well with small children. So the breakfast show, I would have to be there at like um, 3.30 in the morning and have to be in makeup for four o'clock. And I'd be, and I'd have to do my scripting and get my graphics ready and, you know, Daisy was still little at that time and she she wasn't a, a, a fabulous sleeper so I could have been up to her in the night then I'd be going to do live television with no um, 
auto cue. So literally flying by the seat of my pants. Sometimes I was so tired, I really had no idea what was going to come out of my mouth. And then I'd get home in the old days, pre-children, I could have a snooze, but I just had to jump into mummy shoes then. So it was exhausting. So I think I was looking for something else. Plus, if you know anything about the world of television, production values have kind of, you know, gone down. It's kind of, you, you're, you're asked to do more and more and more for less and less. So in the early days, I'd work with a producer and a meteorologist. I, my last job was as a weather presenter at Sky News. So I had all of that support and somebody made my graphics. But by the end, I was doing my forecasting. I was making my graphics. I was producing myself. I was doing everything. So it didn't have quite the same shine that it did in the early days. So a long way around answering your question. Yeah, I think I was looking for a way out and lashes was my, um, my doorway out. Wow. So, I mean, as a, as somebody that's on TV, was it easier to get clients? Did people like know, you know, like, did people want to go more? No, I don't think so because it wasn't a really high profile job and I just think that maybe and plus you look so different on television once you've been airbrushed in makeup and had your hair all you know coiffured and you know you do look different I think sometimes people did recognize my voice when I would when I talked to them but I really you know there'd be a slight glimmer of recognition but I think it was more when I spoke than than the way I looked I certainly don't look most days like I did on the telly (laughs) okay so what were you um what was like your strategy for building your clientele in the very beginning literally no strategy whatsoever so it as I said it was kind of a, a paid hobby somewhat of a side hustle and it just kind of organically grew I kind of had a target in my head hey if I make 200 pounds in a week that's really good gradually I just had in my head my goal getting a little bit bigger each week so I didn't even really notice it growing it just kind of it just did and I was so busy with the kids as well and I was still doing weather plus I was still doing voiceovers every day from Bloomberg which I recorded and edited and sent from home so I didn't really have time for a strategy and some would say I still have no strategy (laughs) oh my goodness so these days like are you like describe how like are you still lashing today or yeah, I mean, obviously we're in lockdown at the moment. Oh, right. We're on April the 12th when the English One girls get to today. go back to lashing. Yes, yes. So, wh- yes, I am lashing. I, I, m- When we had our first lockdown, I decided that I wasn't going to lash on Saturdays. That was going to be the thing because I got used to that Friday feeling, which I'd never had before. I always worked Mondays through to Saturdays and Sunday was my day off. But now... Yes, I am full time, but I work mainly in the week and I try to limit my evenings. But yes, I am a, f- a fully active lash artist and educator. Um, with your with your schedule now, like and adding in the podcast and everything, what does a typical day look like for you, especially with the kids and stuff? How old are they now? So my daughters are 13 and no she's not 13 I always think she's 13 she's not she's 12 she's 12 I've upped her 12 and 16 
Wow. Okay. So what is that like? Are they in school or they're doing virtual? Um, they literally have started back at school this Monday. Oh, wow. So yeah, so that was that was good and bad. I get used to having them around. I'm really bad, Shelby, at any kind of change. I'm fine once I get used to it. It can take me a few days or a week, but I hate the initial change. It can be anything, anything new coming in to my door is like, oh, I'm not sure I like that. So they went back on Monday and I was a bit like, oh, where have they gone? But I was over it by about 3 p.m. And then they came home again. <laughs> oh my goodness. So do you fit in your like recordings and, and stuff? Cause mm. like today is, what is today? Today's Friday. So Friday. do you like try to plan um, your clients around your recording or like how, how do you fit it all in? Well, once we're once. Okay. So the first lockdown, I came up with this podcast idea behind the lashes and that's when I really started. And I was, I was, I mean, I've made 168 podcasts since March. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. So that is, that is a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So I had that first yeah, yeah. Well, well, that first lockdown, I was like a crazy person. I knew that unless this, I guess this was a strategy. I knew that unless I had what felt like a job, I would go a bit crazy. So the podcast literally, it, it saved some of my listeners, but it saved me. So it gave me a routine. So the kids were online learning. They're that age where they are pretty self-sufficient. They're good girls. They are good students. So, so they didn't really trouble me, but I would be up, makeup done, hair done, and I'd be sitting down at my computer, either researching my guests or um, recording with them or um, edit, editing them or, pu or putting it up on the platform. So it was kind of a full-time job, but it worked because you know, when you're doing podcasts, it doesn't take for hours and hours and hours, but it was enough of a focus for me to get out of bed in the morning, for me to feel like I had something to do, something to be creative. Plus I had other things that I was doing for my lash business. I was writing my courses and I was writing a presenter course to help other girls um, with confidence on camera and self-confidence and communication in, in general. So I was doing a lot, but that was a survival strategy for the first lockdown, which was long. It was basically spring and summer for us um I don't know whether you were locked down in that time in Texas I think you were locked down weren't you March mm -hmm. to March to May yeah so we didn't go back until the third week of August mm. so we had a huge huge amount of time so I needed that time to but in terms of what my day looked like every day was a bit different but I always made sure that I had something to do whether it was working on my lash business or working on my podcast series because without that I'd have been doomed I think I'd have just yeah. sat on the sofa and watched Netflix and eaten more crap which I managed to do anyway <laughs> oh my gosh me too um yeah like during so I keep forgetting that you guys are shut down it's just bizarre to me actually and I just keep forgetting that like I'm I'm asking about like seeing clients right now and stuff. Mm. And we literally just talked about how you guys are open April 12th. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really impressive that you're able to do that many episodes in this amount of time in a, in a year. Um, I've been doing this, um, I think two and a half, maybe three years, I think two and a half. And I've done like 85 episodes. So that's a huge 
it's a huge undertaking. I don't think um, people truly understand like how much goes into putting on um, like doing a show. And um, so has it been received really well? And like, who have been some of your favorite guests so far? Ooh, okay. So the, the idea behind it for people that haven't tuned in, it's called Behind the Lashes. I decided that I was literally, I literally had a shower power moment shampooing my hair and I'm like oh I know I'm going to do a podcast and this is what it's going to be and this is why so it's going to be called behind the lashes and I'm going to create a piece of social history okay so this is a time that none of us have ever experienced you know a worldwide pandemic I wanted there to be a record for my children's children and their children and beyond you know what did what was great granny lee's life like during the pandemic so even if nobody listened to this other than my grandchildren and their grandchildren I thought it would be a really interesting record of life what life was like for a group of women that all had the commonality of lashing and a worldwide pandemic and I decided that I would have like a core number of guests, like 20 girls, who I would do an initial in-depth interview. I would go behind the lashes. So I would dig around in their past. I would find out about what they were like at school, what their family was like, um, what their family's like now, how they've been affected by COVID, either you know through people being sick or financially or their business. And then every two weeks, I checked back in with them to see how they were doing, to see what developments there had been and to get that emotional connection for the listeners. So they felt like they were having a, a heart to heart with those girls to find out how they were doing, how they were coping. And from a business perspective, you know, what ideas they had to be creative, to keep their creative juices flowing, to um, maybe have some practice tools, extra little tidbits that they could try or things to post on their Instagrams, how to build their Instagrams, how to work on their business whilst they couldn't work in their business. Right. Um, and I wanted them to be from all different parts of the world so that obviously you would have different perspectives. So I've got a girl in Canada. I had two great girls over in India, in Delhi. I spoke to um, a girl in Hong Kong. Um, I had some wonderful Japanese ladies on, you know, I try and, and, and from the US as well. So I tried to, and it was just to give that common link and common perspective and also for the listeners it was so they didn't feel like they were totally on their own. I mean, you know, it sounds a bit trite to say we are all in this together, but we have all been in this together and hopefully we will never be all in this sort of thing together ever again. But I just felt it was so important to mark it as a, as a piece of social history. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really cool. I, do, do you feel like any um, stories that you've heard so far have, have affected you uh, emotionally in any way? Are all of them pretty emotional? Can you connect with each person? Yeah, I mean, I'm a natural empath anyway, I would say. And, and I feel so humbled and blessed that these girls have come onto my program and they have bared their souls. So I have had people 
bursting into tears with things that they have never said to anyone before. It's almost like they forget that there's a, you know, a metaphorical red light recording. It's just, it's been a kind of a, it seems silly, but it, it kind of felt like a safe space to share. And that's crazy because anybody could listen to it, but it's just, it was just, I've, the feedback I've had from listeners is that it's been like listening to two friends having a good old chat. Sometimes it's been a bit gossipy. Sometimes it's been a bit of a revelation in terms of, you know, people's um, relationships have broken down during, um, during the whole pandemic. There have been a lot of mental health issues. There, have, there has been a lot of despair, but also there's been a lot of laughter and camaraderie and that real sense of standing shoulder to shoulder. And that does sound a bit like a cliche, but I think um, the level that these girls have trusted me and shared stuff with me and therefore the listener has just been utterly breathtaking. I have loved every single second of it. It's wow. been amazing. It sounds amazing. And I hope I encourage everyone to go listen after you listen to this episode. I, I think that's beautiful. And the idea of like capturing them at different times, like that's brilliant and um, very relatable too, because it is hard to share some things because you almost feel like it it makes you weak or you're the only person that wasn't able to handle quote unquote what mm -hmm. this brought into your life. So that's beautiful that you're, that you're trying to, um, you know, expose that, like those raw feelings and emotions and stuff. Thank you. And some of the girls that have shared, you know, I, I had um, a couple of different episodes where the subject of domestic abuse has, <clears throat> excuse me, domestic abuse has come up and the outpouring from viewers to these girls who were brave enough to stand up and say they've been victims of domestic abuse, you know, they had such an amazing response. So it's like a two-way street. They gained something from it because they got all the support. And then others that were, you know, maybe not experiencing the same, some were, but, you know, just to, just to get that synergy and that kind of connection and that bond at a time where we are all kind of isolated in our homes, most of the UK is still. So yeah, I just think it's been such an interesting journey. You yeah, know. absolutely. Um, how do you feel like your former career has helped you um, bring this podcast to life and like give your best into the show? Okay, so I think, um, so I started in television as a researcher. So my background was digging um, and finding out about people and asking the right questions. I'm naturally nosy, so that helps. Um, you know, as a lash artist, I love talking to my clients about, you know, what's going on in their lives and, you know, we'll, we'll, we will share, it's a two-way street. Um, so I just think maybe that's partly my nature, but partly my background in television where I needed to get all of the information, you know, it's a journalistic background and I needed to come back to my producer and say, this is a good story. These people are good. This is why we are interested and why we want to film them doing X, Y, and Z. And this is everything I found out about them because this, you know, so I suppose, yes, it has helped. It goes back to that whole kind of journalistic um, mm. yeah. digging. So um, segue into 
your also like also part of your career is is training um is that have you do you have plans to start your training back up like right when you guys open up like what are people over in the UK like what have they been doing this entire like year basically with training are most people you've seen doing more online Mm -hmm. stuff yeah well, I mean, it's been terrible, hasn't it? Because um, I have a, a few girls who haven't completed their training. So I've done online Zooms every now and again, just to check in with them, just to say, look, let's do some fan practice just via Zoom, just for the hell of it. You know, it's Friday evening. Let's just do some fan practice. And, you know, obviously I'm not charging for them, charging them for that. It's just a bit of extra mentoring, a bit of extra support. Again, it just chimes in with that. We're in this together and I'm here to support your learning. Um, So that's kind of on an informal mentoring. I have actually taught a couple of girls classic lashes. Um, I've done all the theory with them and I've done the mannequin heads with them to a point. They will obviously come back in for their practical session. So they, they will actually just get an extra bit of coaching from me. But I just felt like it was important to let them feel like COVID wasn't, you know, putting them in a negative um space in terms of I wanted to get them going so they felt like because they paid for their training but we weren't able to do it so that's been useful I mean obviously it's never going to be the same as in person um but yeah so I think I think most of us have had to just suck it up and do a bit of online I mean I've developed my courses and written five manuals and got them all accredited because I was training for somebody else before, you know, under an umbrella of another company. So that's been really good, actually. I've been able to get five um, manuals written and get them accredited. So I'm ready to go when we are allowed to. I've got my first classic student booked in. So, yeah, I'm really hoping that it grows and grows. Wow. Um, and I mean, you really do know your stuff. You've won, um, competitions and your work is amazing. Um, I saw that you, you were in the artistic fur competition, which was online. How many online competitions did you do this year? Um, so, Ooh, so the lash social, Oh, did I enter that one? Actually, no, I didn't enter. I and their their business. I won some awards for the in their business awards. I didn't enter their um. Got it. Enter their competition this year. I was actually a judge for the Lash Social in the mature, in the mature category, um, which was brilliant. That was a great honor to do that. So online, I did artistic fur. I didn't place. I came top eight, which for me, I thought that was pretty good because it's a really really tough competition but Frankie Widows gave me her special award um, in recognition of my classic lash set so I was really pleased about that Uh, really really stoked Um, and then I've done a competition in I did a competition in Finland it was the diamond lash competition Mm -hmm. which I came second for their pre-made pre-made fan um, sets and that was brilliant and then Samantha Shirley and Jay Jones ran a competition fairly recently it was called better than your last set and this is what COVID has done it allowed you to enter previous works so you didn't have to create any new lash sets because obviously we couldn't because we're locked down and this was an amazing thing to do and the funny thing about this one 
is I entered a set of handmade volume lashes that I had entered into the lash social a couple of years ago and had only come like midfield. It was a set, I really kind of stretched myself out of my comfort zone. It was a comfort zone. It was a cat eye. Um, and one of the judges who I absolutely adore and admire and really revere clearly thought she, they were not her bag at all. She did not like them. She marked me really quite, you know, not very well. I'm not going to say who it is. Anyway, I was like, I was gutted because although, although um, I got some nice marks from other judges, she was the one that I really wanted to impress. You know how it is, you know, and I was just like, oh no, she didn't like them. But I still loved this set and I always came back to this set and I've posted it a few times because I absolutely loved it. And I thought, well, I'm going to stand by this set. I'm going to send it into this competition. It was the last day of entrance entering. And I thought, well, screw it. I'm going to send it. And I sent it in and I came second. So I was like, woohoo! So stand by your lashes, girls. And just because what it's so subjective, just because one person doesn't rate your set for whatever reason, it's just not their cup of tea. It's not their styling. It's not their shaping. It's just not for them. It does not mean that that lash set is dead and buried because I still love that set. And I sent it in and I got second in the top level. And yeah, so. Yeah, it's subjective. Um, even clients sometimes, like they like something that you're not a fan of, or you think they look great with this kind of set. And they're just like, wow, no, like I want my ends way longer than that. Like, mm. you know, so, um, it is subjective and it is about, and it's art. That's what it is. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's in, you know, it's, you're the creator and you're, you may have a different opinion of it. And clearly that competition that you got second in, they, they were a fan of it too. Yeah, I know. I'm so pleased. <laughs> Made my year. Yeah. So it's been a pretty good. It's been a pretty, it's been a really rubbish year. I could give you a list of all the negative impact it's had on me and my family, but on the other, on the other flip side, it's been a total blessing. It really had professionally and in terms of personal growth, it has been pretty amazing. I have made so many connections with other women, other lash artists in this time, friends that I would not have made, you know, and you know, how often do we get to really take stock of what is important to us? Never. So yeah. it's been really valuable. I'm actually really grateful for coronavirus. I, in a way I am too. I, I, and we've spoke about this before, like there's so many things that you realize through being shut out from the world and not having like, um, other things to distract yourself with and just being alone with yourself or just like your family or something. Just, I think a lot of people have experienced that too. So yeah, that's, that's awesome though, that you were able to advance, um, in, in any way, like your career, like even with the show and, um, I'm sure you're, in a, in a way, like your credibility, your, um, outreach and everything, like your platform is growing. And so that's, that's exciting for you. Absolutely. And it's bringing my two worlds together. So my, you know, my broadcasting, my love for broadcasting right round into full circle into my lash. So the two worlds have collided and, you know, who knew that they could coexist with such a beautiful synergy. And out of that has come my presenting course, which I, 
is an online course and an in the room course. I would never have had time to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to film it just as we had a window in August, the two hottest days of the year. I booked my um, my video crew and we just we just did it. And I'm just like, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. And I'm so happy with it. And yeah, so that's awesome. Another reason to be grateful. So is it, um, is it meant for people who are wanting to be like a speaker or wanting to do like, um, like their own type Mm. of podcast or, or be a content creator of sorts? Yeah. Well, all of those things, it's multifaceted and can be applied to any form of communication. So if you think about it, a lot of girls in this country, um, lash artists, it's not just aimed at lash artists, but that's where the germ of the idea began. Actually, anyone who has a business that wants to promote it and wants to, or just wants to be a better communicator and grow their confidence, it's ideal for. But a lot of girls in this country who lash don't have English as their first language. So even face-to-face with a client can be quite nerve wracking, especially a new client. So there's just tips and tricks in there to improve eye contact, to you know, I mean, I'm doing it all wrong today. I can hear that I'm not breathing properly. There are breathing techniques. There's just how to stand, how to relax, how to use your voice. So that's just very basic one-to-one with clients. There's also, if you are, you know, if you have staff, how to, how to improve your communication to your staff at the Monday morning staff meeting or whatever, how to carry yourself, how to be impressive vocally, how to, speak on a zoom call how to speak on a phone call all of this it all comes it all comes into it part of being a good communicator and communication is the key to to success it's the key to everything um but of course a lot of it is about social media as well love it or hate it we are in this world of social media and i'm encouraging business owners to step out from behind their grid and to get themselves in front of camera or at the very least create voiceovered pieces so that they become their brand. Their face is their, you know, you are your USP in your business, especially in personal care. So it's so key that people see you. And this is, of course, is all about getting people to see you, to be brave. It's terrifying to get on camera for most people. Most people hate the sound of their voice. They're like, oh, I can't listen to it. But you have to remember that other people hear their voices very differently. You're hearing it through all of the bones in your in your head. It does sound very different. And you just have to be brave, grasp the nettle and do it. And this course helps people to be brave. I love that. Um, I could have really benefited from that course from day one with my podcast because <laughs> as I it's said, late, you know, Shelby. <laughs> like I get so nervous. <laughs> I really do. And even presenting on stage, like, oh my gosh. Wow. The, so you hard. do that. Yeah. Presenting on stage is a whole other ball, ball game. Yes, and and there's, there's a whole there's a section on that and how to, how to divide the room and how to no, keep moving I, your focus. I'm going to take this course because I, I swear something happens to me when I get on stage, I, my brain goes away and I don't even know what I'm saying. And I just, I feel like every time, every time I like I'm done, I'm like, what was I saying? And like, did I say that right? And I don't think they got what I was saying. And I always second guess myself. So, you know, I actually, I think I'm going to take it because 
I, yeah, I, I need it. I do. And I always feel nervous, like doing the podcast and I, I can't ever take like a compliment about my own show because I'm just like, so in my head about it. And so, yeah, Shelby, your show is like the original. It's like, you know, everyone's heard of Lash Boss Radio. Yeah, I, I know, <laughs> it, but it does <laughs> feel like, dang, I wish I would have like, just, you know, listening to my first episode, I'm like, I cringe. I can't even really listen to it anymore. And I, I see how many listens that one got. And I'm like, oh God, like. But the content is so strong. It's a really good episode. Thank you. I will take that compliment. So moving on, um, I, <laughs> I want to know, um, do you have any recollection of those moments where something clicked for you in learning lashes, like those aha moments? Like what were those biggest pieces of advice for you? Oh my, so many, so many. Um, okay. So from a business perspective, I think this was quite early on in my career. Um, my trainer, uh, a lady called Wilma Dunn at the Eyelash Emporium, she, when, you know, you're flapping about building your clients up and, you know, you're maybe taking clients that are a real pain in the neck. And she just said to me, Joanna, remember, not all business is good business. Mm. And I was like, oh, she kind of gave me permission to ditch those pain in the asses, you know, just be in obviously in the most professional, most polite way that you can, your diary is just a little bit too full. Oops, you can't fit them in for uh, six weeks and hope that they find someone else or other other things like that. So life is too short. This is your business. You are your own boss for a reason. So, you know, you don't have to be told you're doing something wrong or, you know, deal with a really difficult client. You don't have to do that. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it because this is why we are all our own girl bosses, isn't it? So that was really valuable. Um, in terms of actually my lash artistry, there have been so many, but I think in the early days of volume, so I trained in classics in 2010. I didn't do volume until 2014. And it was wasn't and wasn't until I'd been at least a year into the volume my volume work that I kind of got into Instagram and I discovered that oh there are all these lash artists out there doing amazing things and um I went and I booked some training with Vicky Rugg oh she's and amazing. I my she's just amazing <laughs> and I said I said to her, you know, one of the things that I struggled with, because I looked at her sets and I'm like, how are they so dark? How do you get that? Oh my gosh, you know, mine look like spiders compared to, <laughs> to yours. And, and she was like, well, obviously it's all about coverage, but she said, you need to get that lower layer. Whatever you're doing, you need to get that bottom layer because even if you're running out of time, if you've got that bottom layer, when the client opens her eyes, those are the lashes that she's gonna see and I was like oh duh that hadn't really chimed with me and I I just hadn't hurt I just didn't I just wasn't aware of it because I wasn't on Instagram comparing myself to everyone until quite late on I didn't know that that was the thing anyway that for me changed my lash game because now I mean Vicky doesn't teach to take back but I you know if I'm running out of time especially in an infill when they've come back with you know 
not the desired amount of lashes to infill, I will take back and I will go for that lower layer. Or if the clock's ticking and I'm like, shit, I've got 15 minutes and they're still not as full as I want. I just quickly get to that bottom layer and it makes all the difference to my sets. I, I agree. Um, I try to get my lashes done with different girls on my team and it's awesome to see like what we can focus on, on our next like refresher training, because they all do, even though I've trained all of them, their interpretation of it is different for each person. And so my lashes may look slightly different depending on how they layered or where Mm -hmm. they tapered the length or where they changed the curl. And what you're saying about the layers using layers is one of the most, I didn't learn this until many years into my career, but it changes how your work looks and you're not even changing anything to like how you make the fan or how you apply the lash. It's just where you're putting different links and coverage on lashes that you didn't feel like were as important. And yeah, so it's a great piece of advice. And, and I just didn't realize that, you know, when you take those pictures with their, you know, their open eye shot and I'd be looking at them with pictures and I'd think, well, I'm pretty sure that I got my, my bases down, you know, that they weren't, you know, a millimeter, well, weren't two millimeters away up the, up the shaft of the lashes. And then it wasn't until that twig that I realized they didn't have roots on them. I had, I had got those middle and top layers close to the base, but it was just, I was just seeing the base. I was just seeing that uncovered bottom lash, which made it look rooty. Yes, I, I know what you're saying. Wow, yeah. Those are really good pieces of advice. Um, do you, so I want to also talk about um, kind of like the opposite. Is there any times in your life where, or in your career really, um, that you feel like we're a blessing in disguise? I, I say like, your favorite failure? Do you have any of those moments where, you know, now you're thankful for, for those things? Well, um, hmm. well, I suppose the biggest failure, if you look at my bank balance has been this past year, you know, my business, which I spent 10 years, I know it's out of my control, but 10 years building a -hmm. year, pretty much closed. That could have been my downfall. Yeah. But for reasons I've already explained, it wasn't it wasn't my downfall. And I think that I will be stronger and I will come back better. And I think that I hope that as a lash industry, that is going to be universal and that we will all come back fighting and stronger and more unified and just just more ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I've already spoken about my, my, what I saw as a failure at the time, which was my cat eye, which, yeah. which was, a, it flopped. I was midfield. I did nothing. I was like, oh, all that work and midfield. I was Mrs. Average. Mm-hmm. But then come and, uh, along comes that lash competition. I get second. So I think, you know, it ain't over till it's over. <laughs> yes. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I will link everything relevant to this episode, like Joanna's classes, in the show notes. Um, I also will link a Lash Boss conference so you guys can get a discount on your access. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and I'll be back very soon with the next episode.